The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Hi, Scott McClelland here with a special edition Leadership Moment. And we're back with Caleb Lawrence and a good friend and a guy who's joined us from time to time. Hey, Caleb, how are you? Doing great. Thanks. Awesome. Glad you're here, man. And uh, you guys just made a trip across the, the Atlantic or was that? Yeah. We, you went come over, we went over the Pacific. <laughs> you went over the Pacific. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> well, you guys are just returning from Thailand and, and, and we're saying welcome back to the U.S. Happy you're here. Thanks for your service while you were there. I know you guys were there for eight years or so. Yep. Yeah. So just a little follow-up here, kind of a special edition Leadership Mama. We did some content recently on a guy who you had found some inspiration from. And after that, we had some things surfaced that we wanted to kind of dig into and maybe do a an afterglow, if you will. Yeah. So our interviews fairly recently on Jean Vanier. Yep. Jean Vanier. <laughs> I know I'm not saying it right either way, but right. yeah, there were some things that I think became public about this gentleman yep. after you became aware of it, after we had, we had discussed it. And so I felt like this is a unique opportunity for us to dig into something of a sticky subject, the fallibility of, of leaders, even inspirational leaders. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, something that came across my mind and thought it might be a good opportunity for us to talk about it. Do you want to mention in any kind of detail the specific information you became aware of related to Mr. Vanier? Yeah, I think it's important because I think it's a, a theme. It came out after his death and after I had spent about six to eight months really digging into his writing and speaking that he... About, I think it was seven women said that he had taken advantage of them sexually. And it was in the context of one-on-one mentoring and the idea that certain types of sexual connection with him would help them progress in their spiritual life. And it was over the, it wasn't like um, it occurred and it wasn't a consistent it was a consistent theme in that it happened over a few decades, but it wasn't a consistent theme where everybody that he was around, he was drawing into these relationships, but some okay. people he did do it with at multiple different times. And, mm-hmm. and the organization came out and said, Hey, we're acknowledging this. We're grieving as a community. We're working through it, but it is one of those things where 
the truth was made public after his death. And to my understanding, there is no record of the people coming forward in his life. I could be wrong on that, but I looked into it and couldn't find anything. It was all accusations and revelations that came out after he passed. So, After he passed, I see. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, um, I think, you know, we can be outraged and I, I don't think that's maybe necessarily the wrong emotion to have, but I think in our outrage, we also have to be careful because we, we all share fallibility. I'm not in any way trying to excuse anyone's behavior, this behavior included, but I think we got to, we also have to be careful when we think about these things and review them, but we also have to be honest, right? There's a, there's a collateral damage that is yeah. done by, and sadly, this is a fairly recurrent theme. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, have, I have names of Christian male leaders floating in my head that did essentially this exact same thing with a bit of a, a twist, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's some different types of variety there, but I mean, I think we would all um, have fairly immediate examples that come to mind of the failings of the demonstrative weakness and, you know, the, the fallibility of leaders, even special, even exalted leaders, even well-renowned leaders that demonstrate their, I mean, there's some screaming examples that come to mind in my head right now that I would prefer not to talk about, but I'm unprepared to, to do justice to, I guess I would say. Yeah. It's a good idea for us to, to say, hey, you know, let's, let's talk about it. We've got just about another 10, maybe a little more than that minutes to talk about it. You mentioned something we were talking earlier about Solomon and, 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 and one particular example on that. Did you want to, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, I think the point of Solomon, of David, and, and some people could even say Paul all had leadership failure in their life. And in the case of Solomon and David, some pretty significant things, but it doesn't mean that we totally abandon the fact that they did have wisdom that they did communicate truth and understanding and important, uh, important things about the life of, of following Jesus. And, you know, in my reaction to the thing, to hearing the news, you're like, Oh, I want to throw everything out and condemn the man, you know, (laughs) like, like you said at the beginning. Um, But the reality is if we, no matter what we believe about the, the, the Bible and the word of God and how it came to be, the truth is people's lives are still transformed by the writings of Solomon. I mean, I, the Proverbs to this day speak to me mm-hmm. and he, and he participated in some pretty wicked, corrupt activities. So I, I think it's important to keep in mind in my, you know, my idealist heart, I still want a leader to, <laughs> to die <laughs> without sexually abusing women, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, we yeah. have to hold that I don't, hold that intention. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think we should lower our standard for leadership. But and, and I I, I 
I don't, you know, we, we should have, we should hold the standard of scripture, you know, present, you know, into, in, in, in our own examples and in what we expect from others. But in holding that out, we also need to, you know, the more acquainted we are with our own weaknesses, I think the more grace we're, we're able to apply. And, you know, it's not excuse. There's a difference between grace yeah. and excuse. There's no excuse for abuse. No, none, zero. But can a, an abuser be redeemed? I think we do those leaders a terrible disservice, like you were mentioning earlier when, in our um, sidebar conversation. When the nothing, you know, these people never get challenged before they go to the grave. We've done something of an injustice. We don't know, obviously, if that happened or not with Jean Bonnier, but but we need to challenge ourselves and and be challengers of those who have a standard to uphold. I think we can't relinquish that. We got to be careful to hold it up in a gracious way, speaking the truth in love. You know, so when I think. Another thing in that is as leaders, developing leaders, maybe people listening to the podcast that are starting organizations or in the early stages of organizations, we have to look at what are we building that's trying to protect us to prevent us from being critiqued or evaluated or held accountable to actions. You know, I think that... Mm. Because somewhere along the line in all of these groups, whether I've mentioned Boy Scouts of America, Southern Baptist Association, Catholic Church, countless evangelical churches across the nation have these frameworks that protect the leader when they abuse. They protect the leader first. That's the knee-jerk reaction. And I've read a lot of testimonies of young people who have been sexually abused by leaders There was a case in Council Bluffs, Iowa, a number of years ago, where the youth pastor was doing all kinds of terrible things. And the initial reaction is always to defend the leader first. And Mm. we need to ask ourselves why and how can we stop that? (laughs) Because it's, it's serious. What is our obsession with this that allows a person to go until 90 years old but the victim never felt they could tell the truth. You know, that's a huge question that I don't have an answer for, but it's, it's worth thinking about, you know, even myself, I'm 36. I'm a classroom teacher. How am I setting myself up to be, to protect my students, to protect myself and create an environment where any inquiry is possible? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so th- these are important questions to ask for sure in our, yeah. in our personal growth. Sure. Absolutely. And I think also one thing we've got to uh, consider as to potentially, at least partially the motive behind protecting the leader first is the collateral damage the organization's going to incur if they don't protect the leader. So the organization, it's it's a self-saving kind of motivation, you know, depending on the organization and the arrangement and what happened and all that kind of stuff. That type of reaction, I think, is rooted in, hey, let's protect ourselves. It doesn't do much for the victim, right? I mean, hopefully we we can see these organizations and, and, you know, whatever context these things happen in that the person who was abused would be the first thought that says, how do we make 
how how do how does healing take place? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that is what we're looking for. Yeah. yeah, it's something of a I don't know shock. I don't know. It, it surprises me that these things that we that we featured, Mr. Vanier, and then you know almost fairly immediately this stuff came out. But I think it holds to to the point. A couple of things to be noted, as you were saying. Not everything that someone did gets destroyed by a, you know, a foolish act or a foolish mistake or, you know, pattern of mistakes, as in Solomon's case, as you were saying in Solomon's case. But, you know, this what comes to mind for me is what Paul said is, you know, be careful not to do these things or you're you're going to experience shipwreck. You remember this, you know, King James version? Mm-hmm. term shipwreck. I think what that has yeah. come to mean to me is that you have such a destructive event or mistake, misjudgment, that you lose the vehicle. <laughs> you, you know yeah. what I'm saying? The ship was yeah. the primary long-range vehicle. And I think for our faith, if we see our faith as a vehicle, our lives are a vehicle for our faith. When we experience shipwreck, the vehicle's lost. Yeah, yeah. I think that's related here a lot to what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, at some point we we can make a mistake and we can be redeemed. It may, if the, the mistake's at a certain level, it may affect the rest of our lives or and, and the scope of our impact. But we can do things that cause our legitimate influence to be completely lost. You know, I'm yeah. talking about what what lies in front of us. Yeah. So it's not like it destroys everything. You know, people have had a, a contribution to you, significant contribution that was good, and then you then something happened later. They lost the opportunity. I think that's what's happened here in this example. But yeah. it doesn't erase everything good that they did. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, yeah. Anything absolutely. else you want to say, Caleb, about this subject? And I yeah, I, I want to apologize. I'll do that after any any final thoughts that you you have but yeah uh, anything else come to mind you want to mention well i i think for me and and i don't know how many listeners identify with the experience that i've had but for me it was just really interesting because in in this case these writings really came to me at a time that it was so encouraging and so when the news came shortly after being really encouraged, it was like, what was going on there? You know, ouch. And so I, I've had to, to reconcile that, but in the reconciling, it's good. I mean, and I, there's so many over or ways that extends. Like, for example, I personally in 2020 am not a big fan of the mega church. However, mm-hmm. when I was 19 years old, I needed the mega church. And, you know, and I look at it now and I'm like, oh, that place is a a shipwreck. But Caleb, 15 years ago, needed the ship that was a mega church, you know, and so there's there's setting sail, right? (laughs) There's things in our life that come at the right time that are useful that may or may not continue to be useful and helpful in our growth. But ultimately, I, I, you know, I think back to my early, early life, we went to Francis Frangibane's church and, you know, his message is always the goal of God is to develop Christ-likeness in us. Yeah. And, and I think having someone close to us fail 
or someone who's influenced us show their frailty is part of the Christ-like development, you know, because even Jesus showed frailty <laughs> to the people that thought he was going to, you know, crush Rome. So it's, I think it is kind of just part of that development for especially people like me who are maybe a little bit extreme in idealism to mm. have the necessary experience of people we look up to making significant bad choices to, to, to remind ourselves to just stay close to Jesus. And, and yeah, so that, that's, that's just kind of an insight into some of the stuff I've been thinking about around all of this. So, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what well, it is. You I, would I, want to I'm, I'm tracking with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I want to apologize for, you know, Maybe we're we're doing what we need to do here in terms of revisiting this, and it not necessarily an apology. We all have our we all are weak people. For the person who doesn't think they're weak, they're most weak of all. <laughs> so you know we we all have our our necessity of the grace of God. Whether or not we've made terrible mistakes or all of our big terrible mistakes are in our past, we need God's grace. The way to get that is yeah. to be humble according to the word. So we need to walk in humility in order to be a candidate for God's grace. But my apology really is yeah. that if we, you know, we're we're profiling leaders and we're trying to pick out good and strong, encouraging and useful stuff from their past. And I apologize if in the absence of, you know, illuminating the frailty we all share that we tried to make more out of someone than was necessary. It also is good, I think, for us to just acknowledge and revisit from time to time, you know, that we are, none of us are perfect examples. There's one perfect example of God, you know, of God in man and his name is Jesus. And so we're all on our process and in no way to excuse abuse or these kinds of things. There's no excuse for that. Yeah. But but well, it, and, sadly, it happens. Unfortunately, it's recurrent. Go ahead. Well, I just even as you said that, I, I think about the guys and and women following Jesus. Uh, you know, we just finished Easter at the time of recording. And I was looking at some of the meditations around Mary going to the grave. And, you know, they all went through a disillusionment with Jesus, you know. Yeah, and so, yes. you know, I, you Scott have talked many times about the importance of walking through disillusionment, and so mm -hmm. I think part of that exploration of exploring the qualities of leadership is also exploring how even quality leaders are going to leave us a little disillusioned at some point in the journey of being, whether we're being a leader or being a follower, disillusionment is inevitable. And then we have to move yeah. through that, however, whatever that process looks like. I mean, just thinking about the disciples post death, burial, resurrection, and and then they were probably still disillusioned, meant sitting in quarantine up there in the uh, upper room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, well said. Well said. You know, I identify. I don't know when this will go out onto the the webosphere, but. You know, it'll be a it'll be a recent memory, at least, of that. What in the world? What? <laughs> <laughs>
So we may we all be blessed with some degree of disillusionment to work through in this wonderful season that we find ourselves in. <laughs> yeah, good good point. Yeah, and I think the disillusionment is the removing of illusions, you know, so I think that's a good thing we work through. And it's good for us to confront these things, you know, head on. So I yeah. appreciate you taking a minute and, you know, talking through this with us, especially after we had just done the series on John Vanier. I'm going to put this as a special edition of the Leadership Moment to get it in queue before it would come up normally, which would be some months, because I think it's important to get it closer to the content we published. So I appreciate you taking uh, a time to think about this with me and talk about it. We look forward to the ongoing clarity that we come to after yeah. we get through the, the, the illusions. <laughs> Can you tell us the name of your blog in case someone wants to reach out and take a look at what you're doing? Oh. It's a blog waiting on a name. Are you still writing on that, Caleb? Oh, man. I have. No, it's been. I. It was, yeah, waiting for a title or something. I have not been writing at all. Okay. I finished my master's okay. in it. it was, someday, maybe I'll come back. I'm just <laughs> too much writing in pursuit of your masters. Well, yeah, just too much life and craziness in my mind and heart these last six months with leaving Thailand. So copy that, man. Well, thanks again for being yeah. here and, and blessings Thank to you and, and the fam. We'll catch up soon. And I am Scott McClellan for your FX missions, leadership moment, special edition taking a glance at leadership failings. Appreciate you being with us. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that when activated in your own life will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.